0: Welcome to episode number 157 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown and I am joined by Brett Colson this week, his triumphant return here in 2021. No, he was not hiding out because of everything that went on with the Super Bowl. We are extremely busy with the Lions and everything that's going on over there. Brett, super glad to have you back. And we are just uh, we're just going to pretend like the Super Bowl never happened.
1: Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's, I feel like it's been it's been I mean, actually, it has been a while since I've been on the podcast. So it's, it's good to be back. Went through some uh, had to go through, through some personal things there during the Super Bowl. But um, getting back into the swing of things and getting ready for MLB season, which I cannot wait for.
0: I know it is uh, it is something we're going to talk about here on the pod. Look at a few MLB futures while we're still six weeks out, because these numbers are going to change drastically once people start paying attention to baseball. It's still a little bit early. So maybe there's some numbers out there that uh, might be something that you're interested in. So we'll take a look at those. We'll, of course, talk the WGC Workday. Talk a little bit of sports and collectibles as well about the hottest thing going right now. If you have Twitter or Facebook or even Instagram, certainly you have seen this. And so we at least want to touch on that and the content that we plan to do around that as well. But let's kick things off here with the biggest story, Uh, you know. Not only really bred in sports, but this is this really transcended across everything. I mean, this was not sports media. It was local media. It was CNN. It was ABC. It was NBC. It was everybody. That was talking about Tiger Woods And apparently Tiger Woods was on his way To go meet up with Drew Brees And Justin Herbert To do a few little golf tips here and there I guess a photo shoot And promo opportunities Stuff like that Where uh, we got it coming through the You know, our, our the Twitter machine That that his car had flipped And then we we're like, okay, man, that sucks Let's let's just hope he's alright And then you see the picture of the actual car itself And you're like, oh my god, what's going on Talking about using Jaws of Life And this, that, and the other But at least as of this morning, and we're talking about strictly from a alive and well standpoint, everything seems to be rocking and rolling. We'll talk about, uh, you know, implications as far as playing wise here in just a second, but it seems like everything we are reading is that that tiger is, is recovered and alert and, and good to go. Yeah.
1: And that's, that's the most important part is that he, all things considered, he is okay for himself, for his family. That's, you know, the most important part of this but yeah now you know once now now once he gets through that part of it it's it's does he does he start rehab what what does his career look like going from here is you know is this we're faced with the reality that the game will might not ever have tiger woods as we've come to know him again so you know that's then that's that's a tough thing you know is is huge golf fans like we are that's a tough thing yeah. to to realize.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't even really know if the generation under us, like below us has an idea of his impact on the sport itself. I mean, golf is in the state that it's in right now with all these awesome young players because of Tiger Woods. Right. You can ask every single one of these guys and every single one of them will tell you they grew up and got inspired and got into the game and wanted to be Tiger Woods. And he was the first guy, bred as well. And the reason why we're talking about, do we need to do something about the drivers or the ball? Or what do we do with the holes and stuff? And the reason these guys are out here doing what they're doing to these golf courses as well, these young guys is because of tiger as well. He was the first guy that, that really treated golf like a sport as opposed to a game. And he was in the gym and he was working out and he was taking supplements and he was really caring for his body. And it was not just the get out on the range and hit balls. It was get in the gym and put in work there as well and and that has inspired you know tons of these dudes to to do the exact same thing which is why we're talking about you know these guys being 330 off the tee every every single week you know and so he changed the face of the game at at it's very very core
1: yeah and yeah he was like the first golfer that was an athlete right like a, like a legit like treated the sport like an athlete treats a sport and yeah the game has completely changed uh ever since he he started dominating it back in the late late 90s and man it's yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to i mean i had i mean i'm sure i wasn't the only one who had the flashbacks to to kobe and what happened last year around this time like yeah you, you start to see it on social media, you're like, "Nah, no, that can't that can't be right." Like you see this, you see this stuff all the time. But then you know, it's, the the media starts to pick it up, and then people are digging for information, and yeah, it it became real. And fortunately, Tiger seems to be okay. But you know, his career the guy's coming off his fifth back surgery last month. I mean, he's, he probably was never going to be the same. I know we've said that before and he proved, he proved me wrong. He made a comeback and yeah. won the fricking masters two years ago, but this one, this one feels like that this could be it. And that that's, you know, that's really hard as, as a golf fan.
0: Yeah. So I talked to a buddy of mine, one of, a, one of my real close friends is an orthopedic surgeon. And um, he's like, look, it's never good that you have to immediately go into surgery for leg injuries anyway. And he said, it's certainly never good if you immediately have to go into leg, uh, go into surgery for leg injuries and you're 45 years old. And then he said to end things, it's super never good to have to immediately go into surgery when you're 45 years old. And Oh, by the way, you're also a professional athlete, you know? And so, um, he did not say that he thinks that, that Tiger's career is definitely over, but uh, he definitely said it will be a super, super, super hard and long road back. So uh, if anyone can do it, it would be Tiger. But you know, if we have seen him play his last competitive round of of golf, you know, the, that memory of coming back and winning the masters. And, you know, Brett, just yesterday, as I was doing some reminiscing, I just went and kind of looked back and this is a gambling podcast and things. And, you know, in tiger's heyday, like we were, you know, I I sent you a message last week where I was like, give me a break. Dustin Johnson's plus five seventy five in this tournament with all these, you know, 20 of the top 30 golfers in the world, yada yada, yada. And so I went and did a little bit of research and, In Tiger's heyday, he would be going off at like plus 280 and plus 290. And if it was a super, super loaded tournament, plus 310 and stuff like that. I mean, like that is how dominant Tiger was in his heyday with uh you know again you know less talented field than than the, what's going right now but still like he was literally three to one or worse every time he teed it up
1: yeah and he was probably the sharp side every week right <laughs> yeah i mean he just won all the time so yeah it's you know it's it's our it's our job to talk about the gambling impact of, of major news and this does have a significant effect, Uh, not so much on the the betting odds themselves, but yeah, the attraction to golf from the casual sports fan. Like it's well-documented that TV ratings improve if Tiger Woods is on a golf course, especially if he's in contention and that extends to betting on sports, of course, too. So the industry will feel this during majors with Tiger, not on the course. We don't know how long that's going to be. I think the quest right now is motivation. Yeah. Is Tiger going to want to come back and be,
0: Cause you Maybe, got all the money in the
1: world. Yeah, like why? Why would you? Why would you do that? I, I you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah,
0: it, it's one of those things. Like you, did, you know, you got all the money in the world. You, you did make the comeback and come back and win the master, which like that was your ultimate comeback. So from something like this, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, we shall see. But it's certainly, certainly, best news possible this morning, as of Wednesday morning, that. Uh, tigers up and responsive and uh everything it was not life-threatening or anything like that and so that's all we could hope for when we were really really uh hearing that news yesterday morning so so incredibly scary
1: he's been uh he's been taking off most odds boards for the all the majors masters he's been removed Uh, Pj championship u.s open open championship he was he was plus 2000 at the Open Championship that was actually his his shortest odds of all the four majors coming up but he has been removed from all of those at most books as you would expect
0: as we would expect for sure um all right, so let's talk a little Major League Baseball. I, if you have not been paying attention, and look, you, you might not have because it's, it's a weird year, weird things are happening, and plus, I don't know how long in advance people look at stuff like this. But, but Brett, we're, we're six weeks away from opening day. Um, people, you know, I, I imagine that's going to creep up on a lot of people out there. But uh, six weeks away from opening day and we look at Major League Baseball odds here and you know you look at the World Series and we'll start there before we get into some of these other markets but you start the World Series and Dodgers three and a half to one Yankees five and a half to one Padres eight to one White Sox eight and a half to one Braves 10 Mets 10 Twins 20 A's twenty two, Blue Jays twenty two, Astros twenty five, Cardinals twenty five, Rays twenty five. Everybody past that is thirty three to one or longer. When you hear these teams in the upper half of the odds here, is there anything that what instantly comes to mind as far as like, okay, maybe I would take a flyer here if I was into you know locking my money up for seven months or. Is there anything where you're like, I would never bet on that team at these current odds?
1: Well, I'd never bet on the Yankees ever. Right. Their, their odds right. are always inflated. And with that, I always end up back on the race. And I can get better odds on the Rays this year than I could last year. And I'm, I'm good with that. Because it's not so much. I mean, they lost they lost Blake Snell. They've lost a couple other guys. But it's not so much the talent on the Rays. They've never been the most talented team. It's the way they play baseball. They always... They apply analytics better than any other team in the major leagues, and I, I love that. And I think that gives them the best chance at these at these odds. At I think you'd probably find better than plus twenty five hundred to win the World Series right now. I I would probably more lean towards like a AL future with the Rays. I don't want to mess with the Dodgers, or the Padres right now. I I, I, I don't think anybody. From the AL is going to come out and beat the Dodgers this year. This this Dodgers team is just so loaded, and I hate I would hate to to lock my money up on a plus three fifty to win to in the World Series, but that might be that might be too high on this team. Well,
0: it might be the best. It might be the best number you see, right? Like like moving forward. Um, let's see, the Rays are twenty five at DraftKings. They're twenty five at FanDuel. As well, I'll, I'll pop up MGM while we're looking right now as well. It seems like the Rays, maybe the secret is out a little bit, Brett, on them. That it's like, okay, even though you look up and down this roster and it doesn't necessarily jump off the page at you, the way that they've been going about baseball, the way that they look at how to win games and things like that, um, maybe that is, maybe that's kind of out now because, you know, in theory with what they lost and talent to talent comparatively to the rest of these teams out there, they probably should be a little longer than 25.
1: Yeah, you're right. But man, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the, the AL East and they have the same odds as the blue Jays. Wow. The they're East.
0: 16 to one at MGM. The race,
1: like, hey man, I'm 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 about to lock up some more money. I think because I can get the same number here at my local book in Buffalo, so I'll probably end up. I'm going to be betting the Rays again this year. It's just going to happen.
0: Wow, they are 16 to one at MGM, so they've had some money come in on them at MGM again. 25 to one at at DraftKings. 25 to one over at FanDuel. Uh, for me, I'm with you on on passing on the Yankees. Listen, this is yes, the lineup top to bottom. Do not get me wrong; it's scary when you look at the lineup. But Brett, I know we cannot predict injuries, and I know that like trying to say someone is "quote unquote" injury prone is a bit of a fool's errand because you know some some of these guys like will get hurt for three seasons in a row, and that makes you feel like they're a certain way or something. And then you know they play the rest of their career without injury. That being said. It does feel to me a little bit like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are, are injury prone. And it would not surprise me if we, you know, see another 120-ish, 110-game season out of both of those guys. And then you look a little bit further um, into the pitching staff. And yes, at the very top, Garrett Cole. But from that point on, it's Brett. not good. Corey Kluber's your number two. We have not seen Corey Kluber be good in three or four seasons. Jamison Tyon is a guy that had a ton of hype three years ago, but again, has not necessarily lived up to the hype that he got your four starters, Jordan Montgomery, and they don't really know who's going to be the fifth starter for the team right now. And so yes, Garrett Cole is going to win just about every time he steps on the hill, but past that, I mean, I, I'm just not I'm not sold that this team has the pitching staff to be sitting at five and a half to one to win the World Series. No
1: chance. They're just going to have to outscore everyone. And look, they did that two years ago and they did that with their entire roster depleted, which was amazing. They like they they proved that they can do it. So it is a little scary if you're fading the Yankees because it is possible. But this this pitching staff is nowhere near what it has been. I mean, I I, I can't. I can't bet on a, on a, on a a world series favorite when beyond Garrett Cole, you have this, this group. I just, I can't do it. So yeah, I don't think you're getting any value on the Yankees at this point.
0: Then we take a look a little bit further. um, You know, the hype train around the Padres and White Sox is real, right? I mean, and to be fair, both of those teams went out and added again and are going for it and hats off to them. I think this is another thing we should do as we preface this real quick is Brett, we are probably going to be looking at this two and a half months into the season and, there is literally going to be six or eight good teams in Major League Baseball and about 20 just absolutely terrible. There there are going to be a bunch of teams that decide that they are not going to try and win this year we have already basically gotten that confirmation from the Cubs as they have purged that lineup they are still shopping players they say they need to cut costs we've started to see all these other teams the Colorado Rockies you know getting Arenado out of town they are trying to cut costs a lot of these teams saying that the 2020 season in the pandemic made it to where they don't have any money anymore despite all these teams being owned by billionaires but let's not go on a rant about all of that um so a lot of these teams you know, have punted on the season before it has even started. The Pirates, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Royals, the Tigers, the Rockies, the uh, the Orioles, the Diamondbacks. None of those teams have a shot, like not a shot in hell, at much uh, making the playoffs, much less like making an actual run at the World Series. So when you look at these teams with these hundred to one odds and eighty to one odds and hundred and fifty to one odds and things like that. like there is a very, very, very good reason that they are listed that way, and you should not waste your money betting on those type of teams.
1: very different dynamic than last year when we you and you and I were looking at the bottom of the of the barrel, like yeah.
0: Because you could, because
1: who knows in a 60 game in a 60 game season, one of these teams could get hot and we saw the Marlins make the playoffs. We saw the Reds make the playoffs. Although so they, they were a little shorter than the Marlins. But yeah, we're back to 160 plus games and it's, you know, it's the same old story. Yeah. You're going to have teams here that just have no, no chance. Even like Boston at 50 to one Boston, yeah. Boston's terrible. How are they going to come out of that division? It's right. just not going to happen. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think they're right now counting here maybe 12 teams that have like an actual shot i guess <laughs> again right. it comes it comes back to the dodgers this team is just so loaded and they have young guys like a gavin lux and some some of these other they've
0: got a, a, a what's his name dustin may and well they're six and seven starter Which, by the way, their number six and number seven starter one would be in would be in a rotation in every other for every other team in in Major League Baseball. Oh, and also started high leverage playoff and World Series games for them as well, because Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin aren't going to make the starting rotation as it sits right now. And these are guys that started high leverage games in the playoffs last year for this team. And they don't have room for them to be in the starting rotation. But I mean, that's like that is the state of the Dodgers right now. Like they can afford not only one, but two injuries to their starting rotation. And it would not affect them in the least bit.
1: And it's so important because, again, we're still we're still in a pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen with that. And to have that kind of depth through an entire season is so valuable. And we're going to see that, and the Dodgers have I'm with it you. as good as three as and, good and a half to as one. As when, you said, when you
0: said three and a half to one, I'm looking at it now, and I'm kind of like three and a half to one might be the best number we ever see yeah. on this team. Like once they get going and they are just winning game after game after game after game after game, like we we not we might not see 350 ever again. Look, it I, is, I literally it is,
1: might have to go put it down. It is baseball, and anything can happen. Teams can get hot, pitchers get hot, but I I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see the Dodgers at like nearing even money.
0: <laughs> yeah. So to win the World yeah. Series
1: before the playoffs even start. They're they're that good.
0: I think the only team I'd put money on here, and one of the ones that we were mentioning, listen, people have people have written off the Astros, I think, way too soon here. And they are 25 to 1, Brett. And we know you just got to yeah. get in the tournament, especially in the American League. And things can happen. You know, the Yankees go down last year. I mean, it, it is you just need to make the tournament. And you look at this Astros team, Greinke, McCullers, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Algueti. Now, they need three young guys to really contribute and really be good. You need Framber Valdez, Christian Javier and and, and Jose to... To to pitch well, and you need them to have good seasons. That being said, Framber Valdez was awesome. Uh, Christian Javier had definitely his moments as their third. If they can just get a little bit more consistent, that's a pretty good starting five for this Astros team. And yes, Springer is out of town, but people are forgetting that Jordan Alvarez didn't play for them at all last year. So you get, you do lose one big bat, but you are getting another big bat back in the lineup. In Jordan Alvarez, a regular playing time for Kyle, for Kyle Tucker. You still have Correa, Bregman, Altuve, Gurriel, Martin Maldonado is still one of the better hitting catchers out there. Michael Brantley is a good contact player that is is you know listen he's getting a little bit up there in age but he is still a very good player as well. So for me at twenty five to one, them also being an American League team. I think the Astros would be if I, you know, was going to put some some cash down here and just kind of sit it in the account and forget it. I think the Astros would be an interesting bet for me.
1: Yeah, they're I mean, they're what, they're almost like a lock to make the playoffs too, right? That division is so bad once you get past the the Astros and A's. So I I could see that. The question going into last year was are people actually going to bet the Astros cuz everyone hated the Astros. Are, do people yeah. still hate the Astros like they did last I don't year? Know. I, I needed to, to actually look and see where money is coming on the Astros, if anybody's is betting them yet. Cause I know last year they were not a favorite at all uh, of, of betters.
0: So there are player futures out there as well. We'll talk a little bit next week on like to make the playoffs. Those are out and we have regular season wins as well. We'll hit on that as well, but like the player futures, And we'll just hit on Cy Young real quick and we'll come back in the next couple of weeks on MVP and things like that. But when we look at the NL Cy Young, I mean, Jacob DeGrom's five to one at DraftKings. Brett, he is the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. He is the best pitcher maybe we've seen in quite some time. And for me. It's very hard, even though I do understand that it is only five to one that you are getting on him. It, is, it would be very hard for me to go out and not, if I was betting this market and not bet on Jacob DeGrom, he just does it every single year when he steps out there and the fact that the writers now have understood have uh, given it to him even when the team was bad and now the Mets are going to be drastically better like the Mets are going to be actually in the in the playoff hunt here should make the playoffs should make some noise so now it's not even where they have to feel bad about giving it to a guy on a bad team it's like he's going to actually going to be on a good team as well uh, you might can convince me up with Bauer. I mean, certainly being on the Yankees, you might convince me on on Walker Buehler, even if he were to step it up and have a massive year. But boy, Degrom at five to one is kind of goes back to that Dodgers three and a half to one. I'd probably just bet that if I'm betting this.
1: I'm with you. The other thing is he's the face of that staff. He is the clear ace, so he's not going to have a uh, you know another big star pulling potential votes away from him. Like he, like a, like a Bauer and a Walker Bueller or uh, a Snell and a lamette or yeah. something like that. But yeah, I, I'm with you. And yeah, the Mets, the Mets are going to be good. They've done a lot to improve that roster. Uh, they, they're finally going to get some offense. Then they added Lindor. Um, they added VR. I, this is a, a pretty good lineup now. And yeah, if they're winning games, if they make the playoffs, he's going to be, he's going to be right there unless he gets hurt. Of course.
0: On the AL side of things, it's a little bit more murky whenever we look at the AL Cy Young Award. Garrett Cole, three and a half to one. Bieber, four to one. Giolito, four and a half to one. Glass now, nine and a half to one. Then you have Ryu at 13, Barrios at 17. Lynn at 17, Kluber at 18. What in the hell? <laughs> Corey 18 to 1 for Corey Kluber to win the Cy Young. Like, what is, this guy hasn't pitched well. At, what am I missing here, Brett? He could, like, what I, is going on? I
1: mean, I guess if if there are still voters that voters out there who uh reward wins, he could win 20 plus games just <laughs> I guess, having yeah. that roster, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't get behind that one at all.
0: Maeda twenty, Keichel, twenty two, Marco Gonzalez twenty five, Jesus Lazardo, twenty five, Framber Valdez twenty five, and then everybody thirty or longer. After that, it is very very tough. I was talking about Framber Valdez just a second ago, and I was saying how good I think that the the Astros could be this year, and that people are sleeping on them. Look, twenty five to one for a guy that like on a team that I think is you know right in the hunt to win the division. It's certainly going to be in the playoff picture. And if he kind of takes that next step from what we saw last year, man, I don't know. 25 to one on Framber Valdez is, is certainly interesting to me. But like you said, outside of that, like this is, this one is actually really, really tough. I mean, you and I both, Play fantasy baseball DFS. We understand, like you know, Jose Brios. Any night he steps on the hill is like the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. But then the very next night he steps on the hill and he's like the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. If if he could ever find any level of consistency, you know, him at seventeen to one is, is 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 I guess mildly interesting to me as well. But boy, you just pass that. This is this is a tough market. This AL Cy Young market is tough.
1: It is. This is this is a spot where I would try to like go for like really like a long shot, but I don't even see prices in here that I like like a Nate Pearson. I would love to grab as a long shot. Why is he 33 to one? The guy's barely pitched <laughs> in the majors like this. This is a crazy market to me. I, I need to dive into this one a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I um like I said, I, I think Valdez, there's a little bit of, of value there. You can actually he's 28 to one over at uh FanDuel. So he's actually a little bit better than what you're getting at DraftKings, and he's uh, he's 25 to one at MGM. So 28 to one is your best number on Valdez over at FanDuel. Um, I think there's at least a path to to him getting there, right? Like you can at least draw a line to him getting there. Uh, if you do like Barrios, like we were talking about, I mean he's uh, he's 20 to one at MGM, which is the best price you could get on him. But you know, look. Garrett, Cole, I get why Cole and Bieber and Giolito are are the numbers that they're at. I mean, are they are they raw talent best three pitchers in the American League? I yes, probably so. But, um, you know, an injury, a little bit of an injury with these guys, and certainly um, with everything being so incredibly close, like we're talking about here, you know, I don't think there's anything discernibly different between Cole, Bieber, Giolito in my mind. So does that really kind of open this completely wide open? Like you're talking about to maybe one of these longer shots.
1: Yeah. Who was this year's Shane Bieber? What was Bieber last year before this? Season? It
0: certainly wasn't three and a no. three and a half to one. That's for sure.
1: I mean, obviously different circumstances circumstances because he had a shorter season and uh, he just dominated through the regular season. But yeah, I think there, I think there's opportunity here for a long shot to win. I I'm not, I'm not impressed by any of these numbers.
0: We'll take a look at, like we said, division odds, yes, no's to make the playoffs and uh, win totals as well next week and dive a little bit more into some of these other um, award markets as well that we can look at and uh, try to get you ready here. As we said, about six weeks away from opening day in Major League Baseball. Brett, let's head to the WGC Workday Championship golf. um, You know, we talk a lot of golf. We try to help you guys bet a lot of golf. One, it's an awesome sweat. It is the uh, best bang for your buck. You get four days out of one bet. And plus, we've been pretty fortunate to be good at it here over the last year or so. So hopefully we've made some money. Along the way as well, um, we hit the outright again this week, Brett. We hit Max Homa, um, and uh, you know had uh, and and had Burns as well, had Sam Burns as well. So it was going to be a nice payday one way or the other, so long as Tony Finau didn't win that thing you in never the playoff. Have, you never
1: have to worry about Tony Finau winning. So <laughs> you you were you were in the clear there.
0: Uh, 37 top tens now for Tony Finau without a win. Uh, it's still a good, good living. He's making a ton of money. There's no doubt about it, but 37 top tens now without a win for him. Um, this is an interesting stat as we, before we get into WGC here, but I think it helps with our, how we look at things, betting, and especially with golf guys. Yes. You can make the bet and sit back and just have four days of a sweat, but they update these odds dynamically, Between the tournaments, so like heading into the second round, you can rebet on the tournament or third round or even the fourth round, you can rebet on the tournament. And so just something to think about here, Brett, is since the beginning of last season, players who hold either a one or two shot lead through 54 holes have won the event four times. 16% of the time they have held on to that 54-hole lead and won. So just something to think about as you go into this, these tournaments, and if you do have a leader in one of these tournaments, maybe you might want to think about making a bet on the guy in second or third as well um, as a miniature little hedge. Right. Because, again, holding on to those one- or two-stroke leads through 54 holes has gotten home just four times 16% of the time that's what makes golf so great right Is yeah that, you know like a guy who
1: tees off early on Sunday and look weather has a lot to do with it too I mean it might not matter this week in Florida but a yeah. lot of times you'll see weather play a huge impact in that final round
0: well so. Feenow shot a 64 to get to where to get to the playoff. Exactly. He, had to, he had to come and shoot a 64 in order to get into that playoff nobody was scoring on that course, but, but except for Final. And, and what did that do? That rocketed him up the leaderboard to where he makes a playoff, you know, and yes, it's, it's sad that he does, you know, blow another one, but I mean, listen, you shot a final round 64 to even get into contention here. And you made a million bucks for finishing in second place. I understand you want to win these things, but I mean, there, there's nothing to hang your head about, about shooting a final round 64 and and taking home a million bucks.
1: How frustrated? how, how much of it, do you think is mental with Tony Fino or is it, he's just been unlucky to this point. I mean, you know, it, that's a pretty big sample now, 37 straight top tens <laughs> without a win. Uh, I haven't looked into what his rounds look like on Sundays, but in this case, it actually helped him that he was like playing from behind on Sunday. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's a lot of times that I've looked. Um, I haven't looked in a few months, but I looked in it. I looked when this started becoming kind of a thing And a lot of times it wasn't even so much that he was playing bad. He was just getting run down, you know, and I think that's what what this stat that I just kind of said really does show here that you don't necessarily have to play bad. It's just, you know, like you mentioned, that's what makes golf so awesome. A guy can go out and shoot a sixty five. And you're shooting a 70, you're still two under par, but he he's five strokes better than you on the day, and he just he passes you, you know, or he ties you and gets into a play or whatever it might be. I mean, you you don't even have to play bad in order to to lose on a on a Sunday. And I think a lot of times with Tony, it was it wasn't necessarily that he was playing bad on Sunday. He was just getting run down by other guys who were just playing better. And and that's kind of the nature of the beast, unfortunately. One thing I want to do more of
1: is save a little of my bankroll for like the Saturday and Sunday rounds and bet the guys who I liked coming into the tournament on mm-hmm. those days. Cause maybe, maybe they didn't play well on, on Thursday and Friday made the cut. Right. That's the kind of stuff I want to, I want to start doing more of is is studying like the value in betting guys over the weekend when, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe courses are, you can shoot a lower score in the mornings and these guys mm-hmm. will have that, you know, have that, Opportunity to to go low in the morning and not have the pressure on a Saturday or Sunday. So,
0: or looking into those underlying stats, like maybe they're maybe they're striking the ball uh, awesome, but they have just they've just been horrible on the greens, right? Like maybe it was just it was you know we know we talk about this a lot on here, and if you're listening for the first time, like putting is the most variant stat that there is out there. So you'll never really you'll never really hear us talk about all that much about putting unless they're just a drastic split or something like that, which actually there is one this week that I'll talk about. But um, putting is just varying, right? I mean, it is some days, you, some, some days you get it going. Some tournaments, you get it rolling. And then some other ones, you're just absolutely horrible. You're just absolutely terrible. And sometimes that can correct itself mid-tournament, like you're talking about. And so, you know, you have a bad first two rounds, but you're still kind of lingering because you have been striking the ball so well that, hey, if that putter turns around on Saturday, Sunday, you're right in there, if not winning the damn thing. And so, yeah, yeah, you you have conviction on a let's just whatever. Let's just say it's a Justin Thomas or something. You know, you, see, you have a conviction on a Justin Thomas, and it comes around on Saturday, and you're getting double the odds on him that you were getting before the tournament went off. And you're like, man, if he just puts a little bit better over the next couple of days, I mean, he could win this thing then. Yeah. I, I think there's tons of value in kind of approaching a tournament on, on Saturday and Sunday like that. Yeah. Or maybe he had just had one or two holes
1: where he had just a wayward drive. Couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. That really kind of buried him. And he's been playing great outside of that. Those are things that I really want to start looking into more as you know, as, as we get closer to the masters, I want to do, let's do a show about in-game uh, golf betting. I, I, I really definitely. want to dive, dive into that.
0: We will definitely do that. I've been, I've been doing that for pretty consistently for over a year now. And so I I definitely have some thoughts here. This is the WGC Workday Championship. It is at the Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, Florida. So there's no course history here. This used to be, well, I mean, pre-pandemic this would have been the WGC Mexico so this would be taking place down in Mexico not this year so we don't have any course history here for any of the players really the only thing is the NCAA championships was played here in 2015 that was actually won by Bryson DeChambeau so he did win the NCAA championships here at this course but that was again six years ago and it was set up for a collegiate championship as opposed to a a Pro championship here. 72 golfers, as with these WGCs, so 72 golfers, short field event, no cut. Par 72, plays over 7,400 yards, actually just under 7,500 yards does this course. It is a Jack Nicholas course. Uh, greens are Bermuda. All four par fives play over 550 yards. Actually hole seven, which goes down is the hardest hole on the entire course, plays at 606 yards. It's a par five, three of the par threes come in at over 210 yards. I mean, again, if you're playing on a 7,500 yard course, you know that these holes are going to be long. So three of the par threes coming in at over 210 yards, 12 of the holes have water in play. So that is something different from last week at Riviera. If you're watching, there's no water at all at Riviera. Twelve different holes have water in play here as we move over to Florida Jack Nicholas described here Brett that the greens are quote small and tricky he says so um we do know at least by the square footage shown that the greens do uh you know are are definitely small by comparison to what we see on tour on average now this is more of just something for people to ponder again the course has moved so it is not um at the same place, but maybe there's a little bit of carryover to just people who play well in these small field events. The last five winners of this particular tournament, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott. So again, big name, big name, big name. And then there's a little bit of a pattern if you go back and look at these just WGCs, which again goes to small field events just in general. You go all the way back to 2016, Brett, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Rose, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Kevin Kisner. Brooks Kepka, Rory McElroy, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas. I think the thing that you see here that they all have in common outside of like a Kevin Kisner who won in 2019, that was, and that was a match. That was a match play. play. I event say, anyway. I remember that one. Yeah. That
1: wasn't even, that doesn't even count. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's a match play event as it was anyway. Like you ain't having long shots when these short field of, uh, these no cut short field events. And that's not to say that you don't maybe take a flyer here and there because you like to have a longer shot in the account, but I think we just need to be realistic going about how we bet this tournament. And that the fact is, is I just listed you off every winner since the beginning of 2016. And there was not a no name on that list. And the only weird ish one was Kevin Kisner. Like I mentioned, and that was a match play event.
1: And there are quite a few no-name guys. This is a small field, and there are a lot of no-name guys in here, like a uh, some guys I've never even heard of. Min Wu Lee here at the bottom, a Chan Kim, Wade Ormsby. <laughs> so don't these numbers look juicy when you think about it? That that there aren't a lot of players in this field, but don't don't waste your time with these because <laughs> they have yeah literally no chance.
0: Yeah, I mean we've seen this, you know, and again this is not even a small sample size that 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 list I just read you was was literally every winner since the beginning of 2016 so it's just it, it goes to the better guys you know they play these short field events these no cut events where there's no pressure whatsoever and they they come out and they just play these events very very well so Brett, I mean, as you would imagine, this is going to come as no shock whatsoever. The favorite is going to be Dustin Johnson yet again. He is probably going to be the favorite for every single tournament that we have uh, moving forward for the foreseeable future. He is sitting at ridiculously low odds yet again, though this makes at least a little bit more sense because we are at a short field here. He's 6-1 to over at um, FanDuel and MGM, and he is actually... Sitting at six to one at DraftKings as well, so six to one across the board. John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas. Your only golfers that are under twenty to one to win the event, and those are all some very very big names as we go into this. So, um, as you started to put your player pool together, as you started to look at this tournament. What did you? What were you looking for in a golfer?
1: Yeah, it's tough because it's a lot of guesswork this week because we yeah. we don't have any course history here. The guys, most of the guys, haven't played or seen this course before. So you know, I think mostly I'm I'm looking for good tee to green guys at this yeah. course length, longer courses. That's really the most predictive thing I look at with these unfamiliar uh courses guys who consistently create opportunities with their irons and maybe get hot with the putter so guys like uh like a justin thomas adam scott maybe sergio not to win but maybe like a top five or top 10 for a sergio or where i'm looking for value at their current prices um that for me is the most important thing but distance distance is going to matter here
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a long it's a beast, right? Under 7,500 yards. So, I mean, like just under 7,500. So I, I did that as well. I mean, you know, we have our friends over at Fantasy National. I've been using them to make my own personal models now for over a year, which I, you know, I have to give a ton of a ton of props to these guys because you know i've been hitting outrights at an un i mean this is just i've been hitting outrights at an ungodly rate and a lot of it has to do with with being able to do this and so i mean i i went driving distance i went uh off the tee, uh, strokes gained off the tee i went strokes gained around the green and then i kind of doubled up here on some of these just to get a variant stat involved that uh, emphasizes what i what i want so I put in uh, scrambling, which again is is just the percentile uh, version of of strokes gained around the green. I put in fairways gained, which uh, helps with with you know with off the tee as well. Um, I did put in a little bit as well, Brett, for strokes gained on par fives because as long as this course is, and listen, I'm just going by people who know this course. Again, I've never seen it before. A lot of us have never seen it before, but I'm just going by what people say who have seen this course, who know this course, who have played this course, and basically saying like, listen, it it's not a... It's not a a scoring fest out there. It is not going to be go out there and light it up or anything. And so, I did at least want to put a little bit of emphasis on strokes gained on par fives to where when they're not on that beast of one that's the six hundred and six yarder, when they're on the other ones, um, you know, maybe I can get away with a birdie or two there. I want guys that are going to be able to help me out scoring on those par fives. But I'm with you, distance off the tee. I, I did I did around the green. And uh, scrambling a a decent amount as well, since we're talking about small and tricky greens, as as according to uh, to Jack, then if they're small, then people might not be hitting them all that often. And so if they're not hitting them, I want guys who are good around the green guys that are good at scrambling and can get up and get down and aren't giving away strokes whenever they they miss the green.
1: Yeah, definitely. Around the green should should be important and looked at, especially, yeah, like you said, those greens are small. I'm also looking at proximity guys who can hit their long irons close. So I was, I was all over Colin Morikawa last week and he did not come through for me. He kind of hung around there, but um, never really made a run at it. I think it's a good week to maybe bounce back on, on Morikawa because his price isn't where it probably should be after he disappointed a lot of people last week. Um, that's that's one guy I'm looking at. What are your thoughts on Bryson this week, coming off that first missed cut in six months?
0: Yeah, so I do want to talk about you know these these guys at the t- at the top here, and of course some of these guys that are really jumping off the pages is Bryson after a really bad showing. I mean, so here's the deal for me with Bryson at a course like this. We don't know for sure, but we have to assume that length is going to be a big, big bonus here with this being 7,500 yards also with all the water and stuff, you know, some of these guys that aren't as confident with their length and everything, Brett, you know, you're going to have to carry the water in some of these, uh, you know, in some of these instances and, and, you know, Bryson's going to have no problem whatsoever doing that. He's going to have no problems doing, um, Uh, You know, getting, I think, shortening the course a little bit, taking the weird angles and stuff because he's able to to, you know, cut across where other guys are not able to do that. And so, look, I was off him last week. He's a full fade for me. Anybody that watched the video, you know, knows I said I just I did not like what I saw with with Bryson at all. That being said. Now, he, he had a big layoff, right? I mean, so now there's no rust issues here. He's played a couple of rounds. He's back over in Florida. again, he's a one of the few guys that actually has played this course now that was six years ago, but still very different Bryce uh, then too. <laughs> yes, yes. um has played this course before and and all that. And so um you know, look, he's second in the field in driving distance. He's first in the field and strokes gains in this field and strokes gained off the tee, which I told you I really, really like he's actually even 18th in this field in scrambling, which, uh, you know, with, which is pretty good for him because he's not great on approach and he's not great. You know, I mean, like that's one of the things he's 62nd in the field in strokes gained approach. He's just, his irons have failed him, but you know, if all of these other parts of his game are still where they are, Brad, and he can, and, and, maybe he can just find a little bit of consistency with his irons. Then I think that this certainly is something that, uh, you know, he could show pretty well.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good week to buy the dip. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let the two bad rounds last week sway me off this guy. I think this sets up as a really nice course for him. And let, let's not forget at this time last year, he was starting a stretch of seven straight top tens. He was dominating the PGA tour. And then he won the U S open in September. And here he is priced below Tony Finau to win a golf tournament like in Bryson you're getting a guy who has proven the ability to actually run away from a great field with his length. Yeah. So that's that's crazy to me. So I feel like you know there there definitely has been money coming in on Bryson his price has fallen. It was 20, 20 to 1 I think is where it opened or maybe a little higher. Um so I mean I, if you're going to bet Bryson I would do it now even though you're not getting the best number it might be better than what it closes at but I for me, I just I see this as a really good opportunity to get back on Bryson after a really bad showing last week. And of course, that he has seen before, has played f- before, has had success at before. Um, yeah, any, anytime I can, get, I can get Bryson around 20 to one, I, I think you have to do it.
0: So I'll go ahead and and read it off here and then we'll give a little stat, some stats on some of these guys. But so when I ran my model for the last 36 rounds, Brett, and again, I guess that driving distance strokes gained par five strokes gained off the tee strokes gained around the green scrambling strokes gained approach and fairways gained. Uh, Were the were the metrics for me, Uh, 20 percent on distance off the tee around the green and approach 5 percent on fairways gained and strokes gained par fives and then 10 percent on scrambling. What it spat out to me was Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Joaquin Neiman, Bubba Watson, weirdly enough, Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas and Sergio Garcia actually was the top 10 in my model. And again, this is over the last 36 rounds, Berger, Kepka, Scheffler, Matsuyama, DeChambeau, Lowry, Zalatoris, Oosthuizen, Simpson, and McElroy um, round out the top 20 there in, in my model, which I thought was fairly interesting. Now, if we wanted to go a little bit more recent and we did last 24 rounds. So if you want to, you know, weigh a little bit more heavily, these guys' recent performances. It's it's DJ Rom Cantley. Neiman jumps all the way up to fourth, actually. Um Watson, Shoffley, Finau, Deshambo now makes his way into the top 10. Vic Hovland at top 10. Scheffler Zalatoris, JT, Cameron Smith, actually, uh at 14th. And of course, we know he has been showing well here lately. Kepka McElroy. Carlos Ortiz is a guy that has shown up in the top 20. Then at that point, Daniel Berger, Max Homa and Colin Morikawa for me. So as we as we move a little bit more recent form, then now you're seeing the Berger and the Morikawa. And and again, some of these guys that are super, especially from a Berger standpoint, like super hot right now, start to move more into you know higher up my model and higher up into the rankings here and so you know this is another one of the things that I do like I don't just go with the model and and the numbers are end-all be-all and that's all there is to it I take the model as a starting point and then I'm just running it multiple times I'll run 36 rounds I'll run 24 rounds I'll run 12 rounds just to see what a guy's looking like kind of like over his last three tournaments and, and go from there. And if you do that, then Patrick Cantlay is actually number one in my model, even over Dustin Johnson, because what Patrick Cantlay has been doing, Brett, over the last, uh, I mean, strokes gained everywhere on the course, except for putting last week at the Genesis. And, and he has finished a T-17 or better in eight of his last 10 tournaments. He has four top eights in his last eight tournaments, and he has one missed cut since March of twenty nineteen. I mean, Patrick Cantlay, I know he doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as often as he should with some of these other guys, but he is as elite and as as consistent as there is on the tour. Yeah, he's just
1: so solid. And he's quiet. He, you know, he he goes about his business
0: and then that's it. But yeah,
1: he's just as good as any of these guys here at the top. And the results over the past few months show it. One of the Zozo, second Amex third at AT&T Pro M. I mean, he's just been Consistently putting up top 20s. And I just, you know, last year, I think who was the last year was your top 20 guy? Was that Thomas?
0: Yeah. This, I mean, you you
1: could make the case that it's, it's Cantley. I mean, it's just like, it's it's, it's like almost automatic
0: at this point. Yeah. I, I would bet him top 20. You know, in this tournament all day long, and I would be targeting him for head to heads as well, because here's the thing, and and you might lose because, you know, he's going to be paired against some of the very best guys. But the thing about Cantlay is the consistency is so incredible with him that every guy that you that you match up against him in a head to head has to be on their game. Whereas Cantlay, this is just his game. He just goes out and finishes top 10, top 20, every single tournament. And so I love, love, love him in matchups, love him in head to heads. Um, So I'll have a bunch of exposure to him on that. I mean, listen, you know, starting at the top, I get why he's six to one, Dustin Johnson's won this particular event. Yes, it was on a different course, but like he's won this event three times. He's won six of these small field events in 24 in in 24 attempts. He's batting 250, Brett, winning these events. I mean, like he crushes these small field events.
1: He does, but I still can't I can't do it. I can't I can't I click on that number. At plus six hundred against this field. I mean, there's just I can't do it. As good as he's been playing. Remember last year when we, he was like twenty seven hundred to win a tournament?
0: <laughs> it's just I know. I can't, I know. I and can't now here he is yeah, I can't do yet it. again. We were preaching though to get on DJ <laughs> yeah. back then Bet and him every so, week. Yeah, and so hopefully you were and made some money. Rom gained 4.8 strokes on his approaches last week at the Genesis Invitational after gaining 5.4 in Phoenix, and if anybody who knows the story with Rom, he had an equipment change. He changed to, to Callaway, so it was a completely different iron sets and drivers and everything set up for him. Struggled a little bit. It seems like he is. I mean, look, he's one of the very best in the world. Brett. So I, I would wouldn't expect it to take very long, but it looks like this new equipment for Rom has started to to work for him. And again, gained four point eight and and five point four the last two tournaments on approaches. And so um I actually think Rom is my pick in this tournament wow. as far as is just a as just a straight outright. I think things are coming around. I think he has started to uh to really figure things out. I think this equipment change has has started to click for him. And so eight and a half to one, I like Rom. I mean in, in some of these alternate markets, I mean you're still getting even money for a top 10 finish. Again, guys, even money for John Rahm on a top 10 finish where we're talking about a field of 72 golfers. And so, I mean, this is
1: even 10 to 15 you know, have no chance. So,
0: right, it's really exactly. a field
1: of like 50.
0: <laughs> right. And you're getting even money on Rom to finish in the top 10. I mean, it's just, uh, it's going to be too hard for me to pass up. That's going to be a really, really big bet for me. Uh, some of these other guys, listen, Roy McElroy got cut this past week, couldn't get a putt to fall at all at Riviera. He lost 4.3 strokes. Putting in just two rounds, Brad. Uh, They couldn't get a putt to fall at all. He took a flight out as ASAP. He was on the range in Florida on Saturday. Like that is like he he was like to hell with this. I'm getting back to my home turf over in Florida and was on the range on Saturday over in Florida. He has three wins in Florida recently. He's a much, much better putter on Bermuda. And like, this is one of the guys where I was talking about where I, I don't typically focus on this a ton, but his splits on putting on Bermuda and all other surfaces are drastic. Like he is just a much, much better putter on Bermuda. Again, he's a Florida guy. And, and so, you know, that's what he, that's what he puts on. So, if you're looking for uh, maybe the best price you're going to get on Rory McIlroy at a tournament in 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 a long time, especially a short field tournament, and you are getting the price of 16 and a half to one on Rory McIlroy. Um, it might be too hard for me to pass up as well. Yeah, and his, his number continues to drop every
1: week. And great, look, he, he played horrible last week, no doubt. Um, but before that. He's been playing okay. Like he hasn't won in a while, but you know, fifth at the Masters, eighth at the U.S. Open. In these tough fields, he's shown up.
0: um, a He lot was of, in contention in one of those tournaments overseas in in Dubai yeah. or whatever, and in, in one of those Saudi tournaments, he was. I think he ended up t three, but he was in contention on Sunday. So you know, even recent form outside of getting cut last week,
1: probably a good spot to to buy Rory at his lowest price point. Yeah,
0: uh, a couple of other guys that. Might make my card here. Uh Vic Hovland guy's just been a model of consistency and he is going to break through. And I think he is going to be in the in the same breath as some of these other guys we're talking about here in about a year or so. All he does, Brett, is go and finish in the top ten these days. And it's under the radar. And sometimes he makes the move on Saturday and sometimes he makes the move on Sunday. And he hadn't quite completely all put it together. But um shortfield here, course certainly sets up nicely for his game. I'm getting 22 and a half to one on Hovland. He's probably going to make the card. And I think I'm going back to our boy Sunjay here this week again. Um, he took two weeks off, dude. We talk about this. Like the reason we don't like Sunjay a lot of times is because we never, I mean, the guy's got to be worn down. He plays every single friggin' tournament. He finally took two weeks off. And so he's coming into this one fresh. I mean, uh, ninth in this field. In strokes gained off the tee over the last 36 rounds, he won the Honda last year, which is a Florida tournament. He was T three at the Honored Palmer, which was a Florida tournament. So Florida has been good to to Sung J M. Maybe the West Coast isn't necessarily where he he butters his bread. So um, that might be my my card this week. I I might just be Rom McIlroy, Hovland, and and uh, and Sung J, and then from that point on, I'll just play a bunch of head to heads and groupings.
1: I really like this middle tier here between Mm -hmm. 3,500 and was it 40? We're looking at DraftKings between 3,500 and Mm 4,650. I think any of these guys could win this week. Neiman, I Neiman can win every week and he has the distance to, to thrive at this course, I think. And then, yeah, M and Colin Morikawa, Morikawa, 4,650. I'm, I'm betting that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's an inter- It's certainly an interesting field. Some of these guys that you know, way way down, there's this guy Christian uh, Bazadenhout. Yeah, Bazudenhout or whatever it is. Um, he's like 125 to one. The reason he's down there again, people aren't very familiar. He he, he shot under par 12 of his last 14 rounds that he's played. He won back to back tournaments at the end of 2020. Like the guys, the guys are. Pretty damn good player. Again, we don't normally see these long shots win this tournament, and and we don't normally see them them do well. But just uh something to keep in mind. Maybe you see him in a head to head or something. You know, maybe whatever book you are at uh, gets really exotic with these things and has a, a market that you can bet him. But again, guys in super super awesome form right now. um And then there's this guy Rasmus Hoshgard. Um, there's another guy that uh, you can take a look at that's in this field. Um. He's way down like 175 to one, but he's inside the top 20 on the European tour in in driving distance, greens in regulation and putts per green in regulation. He was a T6 over at Saudi. He was a T9 at the Dubai. So he's actually in good form as well in this, uh, as he heads into this thing, Brad, again, just a couple of, if you want to have some fun tickets in your account that, that, you know, are definitely not going to cash, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. Um, you know, at least those guys are guys that maybe would be priced a little bit differently if they were a little bit more well-known, but they're, they're in good form and have, uh, have played, have played, you know, in fields that have some really talented players as well.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, what are, what are we doing with Matthew Wolf at this point? Has not played all that well. I, lately. I'm d- I'm
0: done with I'm done with Wolf until I see some some big changes. It's 110 to one though. I man I just it's,
1: I he's one of those guys where I think if you can get him at this price, I think you just blindly just click him to win, and that's it. <laughs> Maybe just take a flower on him, but he has the length to to do well here. But yeah, I, I'm with you. He, he, it's tough because he has not played well.
0: I want to end things here. We're just going to give two minutes to this because I don't want to spoil a a video that we have coming to the YouTube page, but the intersection of sports and sports collectibles and betting is really never been, uh, has never been closer than it is right now, Brett. I mean, what we have going on in the sports card market, what we have going on with NBA Top Shot really does blend everything that we kind of do here with sports and sports betting and and gambling with, you know, just traditional sports collectibles and even new age sports collectibles in these you know nba top shot moments which are you know nfts which are non-fungible uh, things so like so uh we do have a a video coming from from our own josh lander who's going to talk about nba top Shots. so we won't go into depth on that but uh definitely check that video out on the YouTube page because Top Shot is the hottest thing going right now. He's going to explain to you what it is, how you get packs, how you get cards, where you trade things, what some tips, some tips and tricks along the way as well. So be sure and take a look at that. And uh, you and I can just talk real briefly just about traditional sports cards, the, the cardboard, as they call it. Huh. But that has made a massive comeback as well. That market has exploded as well. Almost to the point where it has turned me off, Brett, because these prices have gotten so incredibly crazy that, like, I'd have to go take a second mortgage, take a mortgage out of my house or whatever <laughs> to be able to afford to get into the game like I'd want to.
1: Yeah, not exactly the best time for me to get back into it. I'm paying, like, double or even, sometimes even triple of what people were paying <laughs> last year, but I, I'm really enjoying it, man. Like, I've gotten back into, yeah. like, the... The collecting, not so much. The investing part of it is really fascinating to me, even though right now, probably the worst time to be to be buying. But there, I think there are still some opportunities to buy up on some players that you like. And, have, you know, if the if the industry does continue to grow, which I guess we'll see um, there, are, you know, there are obviously talk about a bubble here and it could be it could be happening. And, and you know, the, the success and the, the quick rise of Top Shot could also have an impact on on the cardboard uh, hobby as well, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll we'll see what happens here. I, I I've tried to look at Top Shot, but it they're making it very difficult because I have I have a hard time logging into my account. That's how popular <laughs> it is right now. Like the site just continues to like crash on me. But yeah, um, I'm
0: sure Josh will even <laughs> I'm sure Josh will even mention the 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 things that you're going to have to go through right. kind of right now in the early stages of this because it's certainly not the smoothest of sailing but the uh but man the returns and everything on that and again it's it is it's just it's speculating on players just kind of like we do with sports gambling and and trying to get an roi which is the same thing that we do with with gambling and so uh really really interesting crossroads here and again looking forward to that video and we'll let you know as soon as that hits the channel if you go ahead and just subscribe it's backslash play picks if you go ahead and subscribe to the channel then uh, you know as soon as it goes live you'll get notified anyway so we don't even have to worry about all of that but man brett great to have you back buddy looking forward to uh to doing this here every week and you know golf season cranking up and and baseball coming as well so madness we will and march madness we have a lot to talk about and hell maybe maybe we start having josh on every now and then to talk top shot or whatever you know i mean depending on how things go because this is uh certainly doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon so it is uh it is good times right now and and good times here on the pod 157 episodes deep brett 157 did you think we'd ever make it Mm. (laughs) most impressive
1: most impressive is that you have done all 157 so kudos to you good job you are, we'll, the, you are the you're uh, the rock star of the podcast no doubt
0: hey we will uh we we'll, we'll celebrate episode 200 some way shape or form we'll do some sort of giveaway to our to our listeners out there for being for being with us the whole time all right as always guys you can take a look at all the stuff we got over at the lines and at play picks and uh head to the youtube again youtube backslash play picks subscribe there as well so that you can get notified whenever we go live with those things for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week